Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. It's March 8th. 1990, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. It was today in history that 49-year-old Mario Roscoe was making his way home from his dishwashing job in the early hours of the morning in New York City when he was confronted by a stranger in a ski mask who pulled out a gun and shot him, then fled the scene, apparently thinking his victim was dead. Instead, a Roscoe, who, by the way, had a limp and walked with a cane, got up, completed his walk home, put some coffee on, and then called the police to report himself as the first victim of what would go on to be known as the copycat Zodiac. And unfortunately for the attempted murderer... Uh, Orozco was able to give a description of his assailant to the police as a 20-year-old man-ish, Hispanic-looking, and dressed entirely in black. And so, of course, here we're talking about not the Zodiac Killer, which is a name that many true crime fanatics might associate with an unidentified serial killer who operated in Northern California during the uh, late 1960s and early 70s. Uh, This was the copycat who was operating in New York, so other coast, in the early 90s. Yeah, except unusually for a copycat killer, he wasn't just copying the techniques. He was pretending to be the same person because Mm. the Zodiac Killer had famously never been caught. I mean, that was the thing that everyone remembered about the Zodiac Killer. He was like, I'm the same guy. He was telling police, I'm the same guy. I've moved from the West Coast. I'm now in New York. Watch out. And the thing that's really incredible is that before he began his rampage in November 1989, he sent a taunting letter to the police telling them that he planned to begin a murder rampage and he said that he was going to kill one victim for each of the dozen signs of the Zodiac. The police thought that letter was a hoax, but they kept it anyway. And that obviously ended up being crucial later when he started sending more letters having actually attacked people. Yeah, so he left a clue at this first attempted murder, which was a note reading, this is the Zodiac, that was wrapped around the zip gun that he used to attempt to kill Mario Orozco. Uh, and he left that at the scene. And three weeks later, when he shot and injured Germain Montenegro, but there was no immediate connection that was being made until his third victim, which was a 78-year-old man called Joseph Pross, who was shot in the back as he was entering his brownstone in New York. And he actually died three weeks later in hospital, But when the cops came back and searched the scene of the crime, they found a handwritten note that read, This is the Zodiac. The 12 signs will die when the belts in the heavens are seen. And the writer had drawn a circle with a cross through it and a diagram with three birth signs, Scorpio, Gemini and Taurus. And that's when the police started taking this thing seriously. Yeah, because those were the star signs of the three victims, which seemed like, you know, pretty spooky information for the killer to have and showed that they had been premeditated and suggested that the victims had been profiled before they were attacked. Especially since everything else he did was so amateurish, let's be honest. Yeah. Like the reason that they were all living or living and then dying was because he was shooting them with a homemade gun that could only hold one bullet at a time. He was pretending to be the Zodiac killer when like all of the 
kind of wordplay and symbols and decoding that went on with the original Zodiac Killer were absent from his correspondence. They probably thought he was a bit amateur until they came across this genuine Mm. curiosity, which is how is he killing people in sequence? And when they looked at those first three attacks, they saw that they were systematically planned in a pretty deranged way, is that the attacker was striking on Thursdays before dawn, with the days between each attack being multiples of 21. So there was, again, a sort of spookiness to it. And it led to this strange situation where, so the NYPD at this point formed the largest task force since the Son of Sam killings, Mm. and they advised residents not to reveal their date of birth or star sign to strangers. That was the official advice. Must have been a tough time to be a psychic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then a couple of days later after this third crime, the New York Post received a letter with the same copy as the note that was left at Prosser's crime scene. Uh, and the writer claimed to have shot these victims in the past three months. And the, the note went on to say, the first sign is dead on March 8, 1990. The second sign is dead on March 29, 1990. The third sign is dead on March 31, 1990. So, so I mean, he doesn't have the flair, does he, for the writing? He really the doesn't, no. <laughs> and also, he waited until this point to contact the New York Post. Whereas, like, again, if, if, if the one thing everyone knew about the Zodiac killer from before was that no one had discovered who it was, the other thing they knew was he had an absolute mastery of the media mm. and he manipulated all the newspapers to broadcast his message, whereas this is just clumsy, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Meantime, he struck again, homeless man in Central Park called Larry Parham, and to intensify the whole don't-tell-anyone-your-star-sign thing, Parham had been telling friends two days before he was shot that some weirdo had come up to him and asked his star sign. They also found a note with the killer's mark and a fourth sign in the Zodiac wheel at uh, Central Park. And authorities then sent that letter to a forensics lab and they were able to identify a fingerprint. But unfortunately for them, that print didn't match any in the system. So they had to continue their search relatively blankly from there. I mean, the sort of slightly haphazard way that he went about doing this crime spree might not appeal to true crime podcasters in 2023, um, but at the time would have been pretty horrible to live through. I mean, amongst his eight attacks, there were three murders, including a woman that he stabbed more than 100 times when his bullet didn't finish her off. Yeah, that was after two years of being pretty much dormant. It seems like maybe the manhunt had got too intense. So after about two years of inactivity, he struck again. Yes, the victim was stabbed a hundred times. Patricia Fonte, she was 39, she was a Leo. She'd met the killer at a reservoir in Highland Park, Queens, and basically sort of agreed to hang out with him. And then he murdered her. And then he attacked another three times between June and October of 1993. This is kind of the second wave. It was a bit of a, it was kind of a two-tier rampage. So he shot James Weber, who was 40 years old. He was a Libra. He was shot in the leg walking in Queens. He survived. And then he shot John Diacone, a 47-year-old homeless mental patient, and he was a Virgo. He was shot at point-blank range in the neck while walking in Queens. He died. And then finally, Diane Ballard, she was a 40-year-old woman who was shot in the neck walking through Highland Park in Brooklyn. She survived, but she was left partly paralysed. She was a Taurus. Do you think that even though there was, as you say, Ollie, this sort of broad sense of terror going round, at the least, if you were now a Scorpio, Gemini, Taurus, Libra (laughs) or Virgo, you'd start to feel like, well, I'm off the hook. (laughs) Well, there's some conflicting reports over exactly which star signs each of the victims had. But in all accounts, there is at least one duplicate star sign. Sometimes they say it was two Gemini. Sometimes they say there were two Tauruses. But it does seem like it wasn't perfect. Which was almost as if he just went pursuing vulnerable people with his bad handmade gun and was actually not a master criminal. Um, (laughs) But he did manage to fox the police for a long time. I mean, I sort of misremembered this as a brief curiosity because I suppose it's such a footnote to the original Zodiac Killer. But 
three years this went on for, mm. and then three years then elapsed between his last attack and his capture. So what happened in 1996 was uh, he, and the man it turned out was called Heriberto Seder, known as Eddie, uh, was having an argument with his half-sister that ended up involving a weapon and he engaged the police in a shootout. Yeah, there was no suggestion that he was at all close to being apprehended before this. No. You know, if it hadn't been for this incident, his half-sister was 17, her name was Gladys Reyes, and he shot her as she attempted to flee their apartment, which they shared with their mother, after he caught her there with her boyfriend. And it would turn out later that he not only was predictably obsessed with guns and astrology, he was also obsessed with the Bible. He liked to preach to random people. And he had this idea that his sister was hanging out with all of these evil people, and a history of rejection as well. Not only had he been expelled from school, he'd been not accepted to the army. He was a virgin. Yeah, and at the time when he was finally arrested, it looks like he was just, you know, willing to give himself up because in his handwritten statement about the incident, once he got down to the police precinct, uh, at the bottom he signed his name along with a crosshair symbol with three <laughs> subtle sevens around it. And that was what made detectives go, oh, hang on, right, this is the guy that we've been looking for. Yeah, and also then they were able to match his handwriting once they'd gone and compared it with the notes they'd been sent to the media and to police. And it turned out that police had actually narrowly missed a chance to catch him when he had been arrested in 1994 on a weapons possession charge. His fingerprints had been taken, but because the case was dismissed before they were sent away to be tested in the statewide lab in Albany, they were never compared with the state fingerprint ID database, which was routine at the time. And if those fingerprints had been sent, they would have found a match on the fingerprints they'd taken from the crime scenes. He seemed a bit confused in the trial, though. He spoke up in court at one point. Yo, judge, judge, hello, are you listening to me or what? I feel like I'm invisible. Get me out of here. I'm losing my mind. I don't know what's going on here. Nonetheless, after less than five hours of deliberation, the jury convicted him of 17 crimes, including murder, assault and criminal possession of a weapon. And he was sentenced to 238 years in prison. Yeah, in the first trial, he was found guilty of three murders and one attempted murder and was sentenced to 83 years in prison. And at his second trial, he was given 152 years for eight attempted murders, including the one of his sister and several police officers from the 1996 shootout. But he was voted most f***able perp by a group of journalists who covered his arrest. So, you know, there was a bright side. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't all bad. <laughs> Tomorrow. We're at 2005 here, so this is basically at least 10 years ahead of this conversation in the West. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.